Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. Today is what? Friday, April 17th. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by the woman in the hat from Texas. Yo, Carrie. Hello, what's up? Carter. How you doing? I'm, I'm getting settled and awake. How are you guys? <laughs> How is everyone? Settled and awake, huh? It's not morning, but... Uh, it's morning it here. Feel... It's morning here in California. Okay. Yeah, right, it feels fair. like it for me. Right. I didn't sleep very much two nights ago, so last night I slept a long time. It was good. You know what? I've had really hard time sleeping. I've been dragging every day. I've been getting up, not feeling good. And uh, we'd same thing. I did, we didn't set an alarm. I didn't wake up until nine this morning. <laughs> but I feel oh great. My. I'm fine. I know. Well, that's, that's... It's a big deal for uh, adults, Carrie. <laughs> well, <laughs> look. We have different schedules, Carter and I, and we have different concepts of time, too. I'll put it that way. So That is true. Um, I, I have a concept of time. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, even when I, my most recent job, the one I'm not doing right now, um, when I was doing that, I didn't have to be at work until, you know, until after we would do podcasts. So I didn't have to be there some days till three. So my schedule's a little different in terms of what time I wake up, but... Uh, I've been pretty good during this shutdown of getting up earlier. Just not uh, not the past few days. Anyway. Well, uh, speaking of the shutdown, someone in chat mentions that uh, I need a haircut. I totally need a haircut. Uh, my wife <laughs> wants to cut my hair. I'm not allowing it. I should probably shave. I can do that. Uh, you should let her. Let her cut it. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm not even that vain about my hair. I just, you don't know my wife with scissors. I don't know. I, I used to cut my own hair. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm thinking like quarantine hair is a thing, so I'm just going to let it happen. Uh, yeah. And we'll have quarantine well. hair for a while. So. Anyway, Carrie, uh, I, there's a few things I wanted to just mention at the top of the show uh, because you and I were, were chatting beforehand. This has been – it's been a good week. I, I feel like there's a lot's been going on this week. Um, first of all uh, – Shout out to Dr. K, who I don't know if she's in chat right now, but um, mm -hmm. she had me on her show uh, earlier in the week. There she is. She's in chat. So Dr. K had me on her show. If you missed it, it was a great show, um, which is just a vain thing for me to say because it was mostly me babbling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, though, uh, Carrie live streamed from a protest in Texas, and I think you're going to do another one this weekend, right? I'm doing one tomorrow, and I'm going to get there despite my time blindness. I'm going to get there early. So we can actually get the, like the the crowd. People were asking how big was the crowd yesterday, and I got there late, so I don't know what the what the numbers were uh, for the main part of it. I just saw the aftermath. Um, but yeah, I'll get there tomorrow. It's at noon. I'll get there early and get the size of the crowd, and hopefully get some interviews tomorrow. It was good practice. I haven't live streamed from an event before, so thank you guys for being so. Uh, forgiving and with letting us try new things and uh I'll, I'll get over some of my awkwardness with just approaching people and asking them to talk um but yeah it was good i haven't yeah. seen your interview with dr k yet i saw um a little clip of it and um and then also i don't think i even told you this yet or it, it just he just put it up i did an interview with mark hughes the comedian who we've had on the show before and that one he just released today Oh, awesome. I actually have one scheduled tomorrow with him. So, uh, oh, cool. That was, <laughs> he's both, funny. Yeah. Um, so, so all that happened this week. Plus, 
for those of you who missed it, I in, yesterday I interviewed the lawyer for the Lemp family. Duncan Lemp was the 21-year-old who was shot by Maryland uh, uh, police. And uh, I had the lawyer for his family talking about that yesterday. And way back last Saturday, for those of you who missed it, uh, oh, did we mention Cernovich? Big deal. We had Cernovich on. And way back last Saturday, we had... Uh, Maggie Oliver interview, if you missed it and you're at all curious about the grooming gangs in the UK, Maggie was one of the investigators, uh, and she was the whistleblower, and um, she's the reason that it's in the news, basically, and that it's being talked about, so uh, we had her on the show, so there's, I don't know, a lot's been going on this week, plus, finally, for those of you who are supporters uh, at the levels, I think it's the, uh, I don't remember if it's the apostate or above level, but whatever level it is where you're supposed to get a mug and you've never gotten a mug, they're finally being shipped to me. They're on their way. So Woo-hoo! you're going to get mugs. Finally, finally, finally. So we didn't... Uh, uh, they're real. The mugs are real. It wasn't uh, It wasn't just a ploy to get you to subscribe on Subscribestar. But you should still go subscribe on Subscribestar if you haven't. Okay, I think that's all the housekeeping. Is there anything else, Carrie, that we need to housekeep on? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, we should pick a day. Why don't we pick it now on air? We should pick a day for book club discussion. Go ahead. Uh, because... It's not a long book, so I don't think we need to give a whole month from now. Like, why don't we pick uh, Sunday? What's next week? What is next week? Yeah, let's see. Uh, it's it's a week in April that starts with <laughs> the 20th. How about we pick Sunday the 26th? That's fine with me. Okay. Uh, if, unless, people, unless there's massive protest in the chat right now, we can do that. Okay. And we'll announce it um, on the on the Facebooks so people know because it's really short, you guys. Like you can get a copy. We're reading um, we're reading Orwell's Animal Farm, and if you don't have a copy, you can get it through unsafespace.com. Go to the uh, our affiliate link on the book club page. Um, really quick read, and I think people want to get into this discussion. And you know what's really cool? I saw in the book club. If you're not in the book club group, there's a group on Facebook. It's separate from the unsafe space page it's called unsafe space book club and there was a teacher in there who's like wow you guys have been um reading almost a lot of the books that i've assigned for my class this year and i'm like i want to be in your class what a great my class. classes were not like that yeah she's been reading a lot they've been reading a lot of the stuff we've been reading i thought it was really really cool well i had so uh those of you interested in homeschooling stuff i haven't actually pu- published this but i think a couple of people have asked about it. I, I put together a list of, uh, I don't know, over a hundred and something book, probably more, uh, books that I wanted my daughter to read before she graduated, quote, graduated high school. Uh, she's not doing the traditional route thing, so I don't know what that means exactly. But um, she, uh, and I grouped them by age. So she read Animal Farm last year, and it's all that kind of stuff is on there. So Yeah. Um, oh, um, oh go ahead. actually, let's make it May 3rd. Let's make it May 3rd. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, I think that's fine. Okay, because my fellow just texted me and reminded me I might be doing a work thing on the 26th. I forgot. <laughs> he knows what I'm doing better than I do. This is why we don't schedule uh, <laughs> live on air, Carrie. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, Do, should we talk about something real, or are we are we have something stuff? real? Okay. Can, Go can ahead. You have a thing. About, I can tell you have a thing you want to talk about. Well, first of all, 
Oh, John Honeycutt's in chat. Hi, John. He says, by the way, you weren't too much of a fangirl with Cernovich. Thank you, John. I, um, I, there are certain people who like, like when we first started doing the podcast, I was nervous. I'm not used to talking in front of people or I wasn't. And I would have like nerves before them, even like that first interview you did with me. And, um, and I've gotten over a lot of that as time goes. And I usually, I will say a prayer before most podcasts. Sometimes I forget. And I can tell afterwards, I don't do as well when I don't say my prayer. <laughs> um, and, and the prayer is just about like letting go of any feelings of ego and letting go of any kind of like con- trying to control what I'm saying and, you know, trying to sound smart or say the right thing or whatever. And it really helps me actually. It's like, Oh, it's not about me. We'll just say what I think I'm, I've what, in my opinion, what God wants me to say, or, and that helps me to do that kind of prayer, but especially before an interview with someone who I admire and I admire Cernovich and there've been a few people like I, so there's varying degrees of nervousness I have with different people. And like, uh, Helen Pluckrose, I was also very tempted to fangirl out and, uh, uh Megan Murphy, and so, and so, yeah, I had told John, I had a couple of prayer warriors. I was like, just pray for me. Cause I'm like, I'm a little excited. And when I get excited, I get nervous. And when I get nervous, it's because I'm overthinking things because I'm excited. So just pray to take my ego out of anything and just let me have a normal conversation and say what I'm supposed to say. So, um, yeah, I think it was cool. I think we didn't, we didn't fangirl too bad, Carter. No. And I really enjoyed the conversation with Cernovich. And, uh, yeah. so, well, I find when, when I'm, somewhat intimidated by people by the way if you hear there's like a guy mowing the lawn right outside my window i apologize uh when, when i'm have you, have you called the cops on him yet <laughs> i'm gonna pay him instead uh <laughs> but um when i'm when i'm intimidated by someone uh who is you know, has been very successful or who i think is going to be an intellectual challenge to talk to uh i tend to prepare a lot and that works really well if I prepare a lot, read my notes, and then don't look at them during the show um, and just focus on the conversation. But if I use them as a crutch, then it becomes uh, difficult and stultifying and the conversation uh, dies because I'm constantly thinking about what I have to say next and what question I'm supposed to ask instead of actually just listening and having a genuine conversation. So we're learning how to interview guys. Neither one of us are professionals at this. I'm the kind of guy who would much rather be sitting in a cave writing um, and it's just that people don't read. So here we are, uh, speaking extemporaneously online for the most part and, uh, we'll get better. So, and uh, one more thing about that Cernovich interview, if you haven't seen it, I'd encourage people to go watch it. Here, here's the thing about him. I've wanted people to see him as a human, um, because I think like we, like you said in the introduction about him, he's one of the most lied about people and, um, a lot of people I've come across on the left, they believe things about him that they haven't fully in, put the time in to, like, they haven't read his, what he's tweeting. They don't follow him. They don't keep up with what he's talking about. They haven't read his book. They haven't watched his documentary. And even after we did that interview, I had a friend, uh, not a real friend, okay? I thought it was a real friend. I thought this guy Thanks was a real friend. Thanks for the clarification. I've had him in my house. I had him at my birthday party. Um, but he's someone that during this crisis, is, it's been very illuminating for me about people's character and about um, just like the whole process of 
my changing beliefs. I lost a lot of so-called friends. I've lost a lot during this crisis as well. Where And that's okay because then you're kind of, it's like Brandon Tatum said, um, you learn who your real friends are. Anyway, this guy, even after we did the interview and I posted it kind of with in what was in my heart, which was, I hope even my friends who've maybe hate him without knowing fully why will watch this and tell him what you think. He couldn't even be bothered to watch the interview. Hasn't read his book, hasn't watched the documentary, doesn't follow him on Twitter, hasn't interacted with any of his work. Um, all he can do is go to hit pieces, which is funny because that's what the documentary is about in a way, is go to hit pieces and pull out what the hit piece tells him to think and pull out out of context tweets from 10 years ago and post those and say, here, I've read him. No, you haven't read him. You read what you were told to believe and now you're speaking it like a puppet for that hit piece. You're speaking on behalf of that hit piece. That's all you're doing. Go sit with it. And, and, and he was like, well, I don't have to, you know, it's absurd to think I have to uh, read everything a person's done. I'm like, I didn't say you have to read everything a person's done. You haven't read a single GD thing. You haven't read one thing. <laughs> you don't even have yep. to read anything. Just watch Hoax. The one thing about yeah. Sanovich is that he's self-aware, and he's—I I think he's authentic. He like knows who he is. He knows what he's saying. He knows when he's done wrong and admits it, and uh, yeah. knows the role he's he, playing. Um, and the stuff that he's written, like Gorilla Mindset, isn't. It's by no means an alt-right style book. It's based on the work of Carol Dweck. Most of Silicon Valley has read uh, Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck, who's a professor here. Like, he took that and and, and some other work and made it accessible to people <laughs> through Gorilla Mindset. Self -help. Like, it's like a self-help book. It's yeah, a mindset book. <laughs> yeah, there's like literally nothing alt-righty about it. Uh, but yeah. there you go. So I just – it it – on the flip side, I had another friend who's very open-minded and, and on the left who um, probably, she didn't say this, but probably does believe certain things about him that she's been told to believe. And she was like, I'm going to watch this interview and get back to you. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. And you know what? You might come away from that interview or you might come away from watching Hoax. You might come away from reading something that anyone, anyone that you have ideas about who, the, who those ideas are not your own. You might engage in truth and honesty with something that they've done and still come away not liking them. But at least you have something to base that opinion on. And then we can have a real conversation because you've actually engaged with the thing that you're spouting opinions on. You've actually taken the time to, to be able to, you know, for me to respect the fact that you formed your own opinion and now we can talk. But, but the people it's like in bad faith who are just regurgitating what the hit pieces have told them to think. I, I don't know how you have any respect for yourself let alone how you you think expect other people would have respect for that. So that's my little rant on that. But good rant, good rant. All right, we should jump into some actual news. Duty rated in chat says, "What's the origin of the novel the novel coronavirus?" Um, yeah, I got to be honest. That's a little bit of a plant because he knows what I want to talk about today. So he's just oh, he's just like, "Hey, can you talk about the thing?" Uh, he wants to get to the meat of the show, Carrie. We should get okay. To the let's meat of the do show. it. Let's do it. Um, so, Carrie, I assume you saw some recent, I guess, Fox News uh, started talking about this a couple days ago. Uh, one of their reporters asked the president about the origin of the coronavirus. And for the first time, the White House has admitted that they are looking into uh, whether or not this originated possibly from a lab in Wuhan. Now... 
this isn't there's only really one new revelation which is that uh in 2018 i think it was in 2018 um uh, representatives from the united states actually visited the virology virology lab in wuhan which we're going to talk about in a minute and um and sent sensitive cables back cables i sound like i'm 90 sensitive communications probably emails back to the u.s saying uh hey uh this is not meeting the standards because it was like a level level four or whatever lab it's like a uh i think it was the one of the most trusted labs in china and it was kind of accepted by the international community as a lab that could safely handle uh deadly contagions and so they visited and they had some misgivings about the security um, of of the lab, and so they communicated this back to to Washington, and that has just come out recently. And the Trump administration has admitted that they are actually looking into the origins of this virus. I I can walk through. I would actually like to walk through some of the background here, but Carrie, uh, I don't want to just jump into a whole thing. Uh, without pausing and giving you an opportunity to comment on at least the new Fox News news. Well, John in chat says it's not just Fox News. The AP News is also reporting now it now. they are. It was Fox and that started. Yeah. It was Fox that started it. Um, I want you to jump into it. So I haven't been, um, I haven't watched any of the document. I know there's an Epoch Times documentary that's going around about it that I, I haven't seen yet. Um, and uh, uh, my fellow has been, reading and watching some stuff on it and trying to educate me a little bit on the origins. But, um, but yeah, it seems like just, I'll tell you a lay person who's just been casually getting news here and there. It seems like they're finally willing to talk about where this really did originate that, and that it wasn't in this food market and that the bats, what wasn't the bats they were experimenting on? These bats came from over a thousand miles away. A few, a few hundred, but yeah. A few hundred, okay. Um, so, look, I, I will. I have not seen uh, the Epic Times documentary, but um, I have, I have looked into this. Most of what I'm, uh, or a lot of the information that uh, led me down this path, or the, the origin, of a lot of this stuff is is a YouTube guy named Lao Y eighty six. He was a regular YouTuber who already talked about. China, he is, uh, I believe, American, at least North American. He might be Canadian. I'm not sure. But he's American. He uh, lived in China for, I think, over a decade, uh, fell in love, got married, had kids in China. Um, and his channel is just generally about why he left. Things things deteriorated under Xi. Um, and uh, Xi did, that became more and more authoritarian. Things got worse and worse and worse. And he talked about one of the reasons that uh, or many reasons why he left China, although he also talked about how great China was. He really likes the, the country and motorcycling around the country and all this kind of stuff. So this is a guy who is uh, didn't really have a, you know, he, it's not like Alex Jones where he's got like some, he wants to jump on conspiracy theories or wants to like have a political agenda per se, just like, hey, this is, this is my experience, and, and I speak fluent Chinese, and so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do some research here. And he posted a video uh, a while back. I think it was maybe even in February. It might have been March, but I think it, I think it was in February, late February. Um, that was quite revealing. And so I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna just let me just walk through a timeline a little bit. So 
you got to remember that the uh, the virus actually popped up in Wuhan late November, early December at, at, at the latest. We know it was early December. Um, the first case that the Chinese government was uh, kind of announcing was the or had admitted to was the 1st of December and then seven more cases between the 8th, 8th and 18th. And they tried to link them all to this uh, Hunan seafood wholesale market in, in, in Munan and in Wuhan. And, uh, and I've previously talked about the story of this doctor who tried to say something about it and was told to shut up and blah, blah, blah. Now, there's evidence that actually it was around in late November. There were people dying of pneumonia-like illnesses in late November, so probably a little bit before then. Now, what the Chinese government did at the time was uh, basically more of what they did to that doctor. They told people to shut up. They uh, tried to squash any news about this, any information. They blamed the, the seafood market. Um, and they uh, they also ended up blaming the mayors and the people in charge of the province and replaced them with Chinese Communist Party people from Beijing. Um, and so they kind of, you know, had the mayors, I think, uh, apologize publicly and step down and be like, oh, we're sorry. We just did such a hard, horrible job of this. Never mind that the Chinese Communist Party was like literally gag ordering people and making them not allowed to talk about it, like weren't allowing them to talk about this. Um, so all that was going on. And then obviously in uh, in late January or early February, the rest of the world started to kind of wake up to some of this stuff. And, uh, and then the Chinese, by March, the Chinese Communist Party started to s try and shift the narrative, right? Here's, <laughs> here's their narrative. This guy's an official, uh, Li Zhang Zhao, is uh, a spokesman for the Foreign Ministry of China. I think I've shown this before. We hope certain U.S. officials could focus on domestic response and international cooperation instead of trying to shift the blame to China by denigrating Chinese efforts to fight the endemic epidemic. Uh, this is immoral and responsible and will not help mitigate COVID-19 in the U.S. Find the next tweet, though. CDC was caught on the spot. When did patient zero begin in the U.S.? How many people are infected? What are the names of the hospitals? It might be U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. Let's read that again. It might be U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. Be transparent. Make public your data. U.S. owe us an explanation. Uh, so now, who's say who's saying this again? This is a representative for the Chinese Party. This is uh, this guy's okay. name is Li Zhang Zhao, or Chinese Party, the uh, Foreign Minister of China, spokesman for the Foreign Ministry of China. Okay, so this is official. This is a Chinese official saying this. So this is all the stuff that's going on now. This guy, uh, I'd mentioned before, this YouTube guy, LaoY86, he uncovered some interesting things. So first of all, um, there's a woman that you need to know about. Her name is uh, Shi uh, Zheng, Zheng Li. I'm, I'm, my mic's going to kill me for how horribly I'm pronouncing these. But uh, Shi Zheng Li is, she works here. Um, she's actually very well known. She works at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, just to be clear, this is 280 meters away, meters away from the fish market that we're talking about. So this is basically at ground zero. She is famous for being Bat Lady. You can actually look her up on Wikipedia. Now, she's uh, continuing to be famous because she's actually fighting the coronavirus now, uh, doing some research here. Um, but well before this entire thing, she was an expert in SARS-related viruses in bats, so coronavirus-style things in bats. She traveled to 
South uh, China, um, a few hundred miles away from uh, Wuhan to do research baths. She tested the pop parts of the population, found transmissible stuff in human, like found humans that had been infected by um, corona-like uh, bat viruses. And she's been doing a significant amount of research at this lab 280 meters away from the fish market, okay? Um, the other thing you have to recognize about her is, or not her, but the situation is um, this fish market thing, people are calling it a wet market, um, I think the official name is it's a seafood market, but uh, it's not like there's bats that live there. Bats don't, there's not bats living in the market or around the market. I think the, the species of bat we're talking about lives like a few hundred miles away in caves. So is it conceivable that someone brought a bat to the market? Yeah, maybe. But when you're looking at theories for how things began, you have to look at the probability uh, that there's a more kind of a simpler explanation or a more complex explanation. You have to look at which theories uh, meet most of the facts. So, so here we are, 280 meters away. Here's this this woman, this renowned bat woman, uh, <laughs> researching coronaviruses in bats. Now, in according to uh, Lao Y86, and I actually have, I did have my wife translate these job postings just to make sure his translation wasn't totally off. Um, on November 19th, uh, the lab uh, where she's working was advertising for more researchers to join her project to study coronaviruses in bats. Now, conspiracy theorists will look at that and say, aha, they knew. But, you know, you could be fair and say, look, this is her research. Of course, of course she's going to, uh, of course she's going to be hiring people to do this, right? Um, so then the, here's where things I think get really kind of interesting, uh, on the 24th of December, now this is prior to the Chinese government admitting there is a problem. They're not admitting that there's anything going on at all. Uh, and remember, it took them quite a while to admit that there was even uh, bat to human, or sorry, human to human transmission of the virus. Um, so like, they're not admitting anything right now. In fact, I think it was on the 23rd or 24th that they had officially like, yelled at the other doctor we talked about previously and made him shut up. So they're literally actively suppressing any anyone that mentions there might be a problem. So on the on the at the same time that they're actively suppressing all of this, another job posting gets posted to this website. And this job posting, I know people don't really most of our audience doesn't read Chinese, but this job posting is for another, you can see here it is on the 24th of December. This job posting is for another researcher. What's interesting about this one is this is for a researcher who can help them with a virus that goes cross-species infection. So its pathogenicity is cross-species. In other words, in other words, this is kind of a way of saying we found a virus that goes from bats to humans and we need someone to help study it immediately. That's interesting, to say the least, I think. Um, so, but the, it, gets, it gets better. There's, there's actually more here. So then, uh, and, you, and some of this stuff- Wait, and what day was this? This was December, this was December 24th, 2019. So this is well before there's been any admission by China that anything's happening here, okay? 
Then an even, I think an even more interesting thing comes to light here. And this, again, I'm crediting, and I think this is the guy who originally found it. I think it was LaoY86 who originally found this. I mean, I'll, I'll link to his original videos um, when, uh, when the show's over in the notes. Like many research facilities, the Wuhan uh, Virology Institute here has students that help with research and interns. And these students have their own little web pages like this. And they've got a list of the students on the site. And you can click on, this is a screenshot. It has to be a screenshot because actually they've deleted this entire page since then. This is a screenshot of each of the students. And you can click on, you could click on in the past, you could click on each one and you would get a little bio of each one, even if they've moved on, even if they're no longer an intern. They, they were like this guy, 2011, 2011 right, graduate students. Well, there was a rumor going around that actually there, the patient, patient zero for this thing was a woman named Huang Yangling. Now, if you'll notice the name right down here, what is this name? Huang Yangling, 2012 wow. graduate student. Now, she used to have her picture here, and she used to be part of this website. And what happened when the rumor started, so what, interestingly enough, no one can find her. Other PhD students, other professors, doctors, literally no one in all of China can locate this woman after this rumor started that she was potentially patient zero. Um, many ways this could have happened. She could have gotten infected by a bat, maybe and gone to the, fish, the seafood market down the street, whatever, right? She's disappeared completely from society. After she disappeared. You mean, you mean not just from the website, like she's gone. No one can find her anywhere in real life, anywhere. She didn't disappear from the website at first. After there were rumors about her, after there were rumors and no one could find her, suddenly they deleted her image from the website, but they still linked to her profile. Then they deleted that. Now the entire page is gone. The entire page is gone. And because of these rumors, the, uh, the Chinese Communist Party and actually the doctor I mentioned before, this, uh, this woman, um, Shi Zheng Li. Shi Zheng Li has made a public statement. No, she's this, uh, this patient zero person was not patient zero. She's fine. She's alive. She's doing well. This is just a conspiracy theory. Uh, Huang Yangling is, is, is fine and dandy. She just moved on. Stop with your conspiracy theories. She's fine. She just has another job somewhere else and she's moved on. Now, uh, why won't, why won't they let her tell us? that? <laughs> right. Anyone who knows the <laughs> communist party, the first thing they would do to quash a rumor would be to like forcibly get that woman on camera to say, I love the communist party. This is yeah. all a rumor. I'm alive. They would at least get a body double. Nothing. Nothing. They have produced zero evidence that this woman is actually alive. Um, okay. So that's, that's kind of weird, I think. Um, so on top of all of this, let me pull up this next thing. <laughs> it just, just, just goes like, this keeps going down this rabbit hole. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pulling this stuff up. So then... We talked about that, uh, I think it was an ophthalmologist who ended up dying, who uh, was trying to whistleblow in December. Um, 
and the Chinese Communist Party didn't let him. Well, there was a more successful whistleblower, this dude, uh, uh, Bo Tao Shao. Now, Bo Tao Shao, he published <laughs> a paper about the possible origins of the virus. Now, I'm not going to read this entire paper, um, but here's some excerpts, and we're not going to read all of them. Uh, but <clears throat> here's what he says. Let's see. He says the, uh, the Hunan seafood market was the supposed origin. The market was suspicious to be the origin of the epidemic, but was shut down according to the rule of the quarantine. Okay. The bats um, carrying this virus were originally found in different province. Okay. Both of which are more than 900 kilometers away from the market. Okay. Bats were normally found to live in caves and trees, but the seafood market is a densely populated district of Wuhan, about 15 million people. The probability was very low for the bats to fly to the market. According to municipal reports and the testimonies of 31 residents and 28 visitors, the bat was never a food source in the city and no bat was traded in the market. There was possible natural recombination or intermediate host to the coronavirus, yet little proof has been reported. So he asks a very rational question. Was there another possible pathway? We screened the area around the seafood market and identified two laboratories conducting research. Oh, gee, you think? Within 280 meters from the market was the one we've been talking about, Wuhan Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, they hosted animals in laboratories for research purposes, including 155 bats that were captured in Hubei and 450 bats that were captured in Zhejiang. Zhejiang, I don't know how to pronounce that. The expert uh, in the collection was noted in the author contributions. Okay, fine. So he talks about all this. Then he goes on to describe that he was once attacked by bats in the blood of a bat got on his skin <laughs> while at the lab. He knew the extreme danger of an infection, so he self-quarantined himself for 14 days. In another accident, he quarantined himself again because bats peed on him. He was once thrilled for capturing a bat, carrying a live tick. Surgery was performed on caged animals and tissue samples, blah, blah, blah. Again, only 280 meters from the seafood market, these tissue samples. Um, contain contaminated traces of source pathogens. So we don't have to keep going. There's another laboratory. The virology one uh, is 12 kilometers away. So there's two, actually two labs. Um, anyway, that's also quite interesting. Not saying it's proof of anything, but boy, boy, is that, boy, is that interesting. Now, just to be clear, there was another theory a related but not identical theory that got... Do you remember, Carrie, that Zero Hedge was banned from Twitter? I forgot about Zero Hedge. There's been so many that Twitter's banned. I'm, you know... Yep, well, Zero Hedge was banned from Twitter back in beginning of February. Why were they banned? Well, they were banned for looking at another doctor who is also a bad expert and suggesting that he might be, he might know some information. Oops, wrong tab. Here's their article that got them banned. And specifically what got them banned is Twitter claimed that they were harassing this guy because at the end of the article, they say, if anyone wants to find out what really caused the coronavirus pandemic that has infected thousands of people in China and around the globe, they should probably pay Dr. Pang a visit. Now, 
they had, this is right after they said the following about Dr. Pang. One of China's top virology and immunology experts was and still works at China's top-rated biohazard lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which some have affectionately called the Real Umbrella Corporation. Okay, fine, that's weird, but okay. Since 20, 2009, Pang has been the leading Chinese scientist researching the immune mechanism of bats carrying and transmitting lethal viruses. His primary field of study is researching how and why bats can be infected with some of the most nightmarish viruses in the world, including Ebola, SARS, and coronavirus, and not get sick. He was genetically engineering various immune pathways to make the bats more or less susceptible to infection in the process, potentially creating a highly resistant mutant superbug. As part of his studies, Peng also researched mutant coronavirus strains that overcame the natural immunity of some bats. These are superbug coronavirus strains, which are not resistant to any immune, natural immune pathway, and now appear to be in the wild. As of mid-November, his lab was actively hiring an experienced postdocs to help conduct his research into super coronavirus bat infections. Peng's work on virology and bat immunology has received support from the National Yuqing Fund, the pilot project of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, and the major project of the Ministry of Science and Technology. Okay, so they're not saying go harass this guy. They're not saying, they are saying, hey, this guy might know something. You know what? That guy might know something. But of course, Twitter suspends their account and uh, calls all of this fake news. And I don't know, I, so the summary for all this for me is, I don't know what happened. Uh, none of us know what happened, but it is completely reasonable to look into the origins of this virus. And also, frankly, you know, I've heard weird conspiracy theories about like the US Army developing it intentionally and then letting it leak intentionally and the, the Chinese developing it as a bioweapon intentionally. Like, I don't believe any of that stuff, but I think the most plausible explanation is here we are with two virology institutes, two, two places doing research on bats and coronaviruses in the city of origin. You would have to be mentally slow to think that that doesn't deserve investigation and warrant at least strong consideration. There's been no proof of any of this, but it's very likely that this leaked from a lab somewhere. It's very, very likely. In fact, it's, I think it's much more likely that it leaked from a lab than that a random bat flew to the seafood market and someone got it, but just happened to be next to the Virology Institute. So that's kind of uh, the skinny on, on the origins from my perspective. Happy to read chat and hear your thoughts. Well, I want to I want to talk about who. Now that you've done that timeline, I want to talk a little bit about who. Since oh, the yes, president yes. has <clears throat> Yeah, and I just sent you an NPR link. Can you open that? Yeah, hold on for a sec. You say who, you mean the World Health Organization? The World Health Organization. Um Not because, the who, which was an awesome band. Okay. <laughs> not the who. <laughs> okay, so this is NPR and I specifically picked this source because as we know, People like to commit genetic fallacy, and if they're on the left, sometimes, not all people on the left, but some people on the left will say, I'm not going to read anything if it's from Fox News or whatever, yep, and I, vice versa. There are some absolutely. people on the right who do that about sources from the left. So wait, let's pick wait, a wait, left. Wait, wait, before, can I just answer one quick question before, because someone asked yeah. me this in chat. Did you check for the cash article? I checked, so I spent, just so you know, I spent hours looking through for stuff. Um, 
Archive.org doesn't have cached um, copies of any of the Institute of Virology pages, with a couple, but not any, not any of the relevant ones. Nothing about the patient zero person. And Google Cache um, refreshed their cache on April fifteenth, and I don't, I don't think it's possible to go to older Google Cache versions. So even the cache version is trying to like, uh, they're like, it's like being refreshed enough that the cache version isn't valuable anymore. So all I've got is. I pulled down the cache versions, the, all the latest cache versions that I could, and I've got screenshots that other people have uh, claimed, which people I trust have claimed were the original pages. You can find articles on this, um, and if you look back at uh, the guy I was mentioning before, whose link I will put in, uh, his name was, or his YouTube channel name uh, was LaoY86. He seems he seems like a non no agenda kind of guy who who showed screenshots of stuff and walked through it and the, the screenshots that he showed that i can verify verified correctly so unless he sprinkled in some weird ones uh that he spent time constructing to make look like they were the web page uh, i i do trust that information so i just want to throw that out so people know all right let's 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 jump into this who okay so the who i picked the npr because i picked the npr i picked npr because uh, most people on the left trust NPR. They think it's non-biased. It's actually not. It's very left-leaning. But okay, let's say it's non-biased. Um, they kind of they lay out the way uh, th that who has has been wrong on almost everything they've told us and late on almost everything they told us, and and they've kind of contradicted themselves. So scroll down to just the beginning there where it starts to lay out the timeline. Uh, do you want to read some of that? Sure. Or I will. Sure. No, Hold no, on. No. Either way, I can, I can. It's it's clearer for me. It's fine. Uh, okay. So January fifth, the WHO reported a phenomenon of unknown cause in Wuhan, China. The health organization advised against restrictions to China. WHO advises against the application of any travel or trade restriction on China based on the current information available on this event. Now, someone in so chat, by the way, points out that um, the the WHO is run by a former health minister who denied that there was a cholera epidemic. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, so they advise against travel restrictions or trade restrictions on China. Um, and and I, I didn't know this until uh, my boyfriend was sending me some stuff on the timeline and was pointing out that um, China was here in the States doing a trade deal on January 15th. Did, did you know this? This is, this is like... So, so there's no travel or trade restrictions. Who says we shouldn't do any of that? Then on January 9th, yeah, who wait, says... Yeah, wait, we pause on the travel and trade yeah. for a second because you're making a, a good point and I want to bring up a couple things. Um, one is uh, I, I've tried to verify this by like getting the original rule, like the original Chinese orders and I can't find them. But I've seen this from a few different sources. I think one of them was actually Fox. Um, so at least a if you if you like corporate media, a quote reputable corporate media source, but I've seen it elsewhere. The travel restrictions that were implemented in Wuhan originally um, were interprovince, but not international restrictions. In other words, when China first implemented travel bans in in the in Hubei province, you couldn't go to other provinces, but you could get on a flight and go to other countries, um, which is pretty disturbing. Um, also someone else in chat mentions that, uh, and this is correct. I forgot to mention it before medical workers near the lab started to get sick who had not been to 
the seafood market early on, which is another like weird red flag that the seafood market was not the origin. So anyway, um, let's let's keep going, Carrie. Do you want to read uh, January 9th or do you want me to? Yeah, so January 9th, uh, who releases another statement where they say Chinese authorities have made a preliminary determination of a novel or new coronavirus identified in a hospitalized person with pneumonia in Wuhan. In the coming weeks, more comprehensive information is required to understand the current status and epidemiology of the outbreak and the clinical picture. Okay, so January 14th, a day, bef- a day before they signed this trade deal. Um, who officials gave conflicting signals about whether there's human to human transmission. This is on January 14th. Um, one of the, uh, uh, it's, it's at a press conference in Geneva, one of the, one of the who people, uh, from the emerging diseases unit told a Reuters reporter quote, from the information that we have, it is possible that there is limited human to human transmission potentially among families. But it's very clear right now that we have no sustained human-to-human transmission. That same day, who tweeted out, who tweeted, quote, preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus identified in Wuhan. Um, And then uh, they also told an NPR reporter that somebody had misunderstood and that there was in fact no evidence of human to human transmission. Okay. So then the next day they do this trade deal, which is not mentioned here in, in this timeline from NPR, but, um, January, uh, 23rd. Sorry. sorry, Yeah. I was muted. Uh, The idea that I, and I know this is going to be part of your theme, but the the idea that we're just blindly trusting the communist party's, uh, (laughs) like opinion on this, uh, by the way, the censorship that they have, I forgot to mention this earlier also, the censorship that they did early in December with this doctor and other, that's continuing. They are actually actively, you are not allowed to look into the origin of the coronavirus. If you're a university in China and you want to look into the origin of the coronavirus, you are not allowed without permission. You have to apply to get permission and, and you got to go through the Communist Party to get approved about what you're going to say about the origin of the coronavirus. The idea that anyone in the world should take these communists seriously uh, is laughable. It would, well, it would be laughable if it wasn't tragic about what it's costing. So, all right, let's it's continue. Like, uh, it's like the in hoaxed in the, the interview we did with Cernovich. It's like the way that the media, they're so crazy. And, and they have this blind spot where, if it's someone on the right or someone they don't like or someone who goes against their narrative, um, they will rake them over the coals for something that they themselves do. And in hoaxed, if you guys haven't seen it, there's a part where Cernovich is on 60 Minutes and they ask him, um, why did you publish a blog entry with a doctor who never never sat down with Hillary Clinton who's diagnosing her and saying that she has health problems? Um, she didn't have health problems. She had pneumonia, just pneumonia. And he goes, well, how do you know she had pneumonia? And the 60 Minutes, is it Scott Paley? He goes, it's Scott uh, Paley, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott Paley says, well, that's what her campaign told us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, why would you trust her campaign? They are why so lazy. Yeah, why would you trust communist China's government? Well, communist China says there's no human-to-human transmission, guys. Why would you trust? Anyway. All right, I'll I'll put uh, put this back up for you, Carrie. You can continue. Yeah. Okay, so on January 23rd, um, the WHO says, make no mistake, this is an emergency in China. 
but it has not yet become a global health emergency. It may yet become one. Now, January 23rd is also when China restricted travel within the country. They locked down all their cities on January 23rd, okay? But they didn't lock down international travel. And so between January 23rd and January 29th, and somebody correct me if this figure is wrong, but the figure I have, between January 23rd and January 29th, January 29th is when President Trump did the travel ban from China, which recall the media raked him over the coals and the Democratic politicians raked him over the coals and said he was racist for banning travel from China. Uh, Pelosi was on, they all took it as an opportunity to go on camera and play identity politics and say, this president's racist for banning travel from China. I encourage you to go to the Chinatown parade. Pelosi said this, de Blasio said this. They were all like, please go, go outside. There's no threat at all. This is just a racist president. Don't listen to him. But in those six days between January 23rd, when China restricted travel within their country and President Trump restricted travel from their country, 400,000 people flew from China to the United States. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I, so I heard that also, and I just, um, I just haven't seen like the, I haven't seen the official source material, but I think you're right. That matches what I've heard. And, uh, and it's being reported by a lot of places. I just, you know. I'd always loved. Maybe the the Communist Party is is going to delete any any of those original orders online, which is why I can't find them. I don't know. Right. All right. So. Uh, so January twenty third. Who is saying it's just a? Don't worry. It's just a China problem. Um. They're restricting travel within their country. Don't worry about it. The president's a racist if he wants to restrict travel here. That I mean, they didn't say that, but that's what the media was saying, and that's what politicians were saying. Yep. Um, let's see. Okay, so scroll on down to 29th. 29th is okay. the day that Trump rest- restricts travel from China. So now who is saying, yes, now it's not just a Chinese problem. Yes, the world should be. The whole world needs to be on alert now. The whole world needs to take action and be ready for any cases that come from the epicenter or other epicenter that becomes established. And by the way, we haven't even talked about travel from China to Europe which I don't know those figures, but those are huge. Right. Uh, Italy. Um, da, 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 let's see. There was one more I wanted to look look at. Well, on February 4th, did you read okay. the February 4th one? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Read that one. That was the other one I wanted to read. We reiterate our call. This is the WHO. We reiterate our call to all countries not to impose restrictions that unnecessarily interfere with international travel and trade. Such restrictions can have the effect of increasing fear and stigma with little public health benefit. Where such measures have been implemented, we urge that they are short in duration, proportionate to the public health risks, and are reconsidered regularly as the situation evolves. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, of course, you know, as recently as a couple weeks ago, they were telling us who was tweeting out that there's no evidence that wearing a mask will help prevent the spread. Oh, my God. That, that, that angers that? me more than anything. This, this whole don't wear a mask crap. Uh, it is, I mean, and their reasoning, and then, the elitist reasoning behind it, because if you talk to the elitists about it and you call them on it, their reasoning is even more sinister. Their reasoning is not that they actually believe that they know they know that it does help their reasoning is well 
we think you're too stupid to be able to wear it properly. And so we really just need to save them for the, <laughs> the people we care about. But you guys are just really dumb. So, you know, some people will put it on and you'll get a false sense of security. I mean, right. it's, it is the most condescending, elitist position to have. Uh, that you are all too stupid to put a fucking mask on your face. Sorry. Um, there's also this other article. This is, let me send this to you. This is from Australia. Um, this is about how China, the headline is revealed, China stockpiled 2 billion face masks and 25 million medical items. This is an article from April 2nd. I'm going to send it to you right now. Um, and the reason I mentioned this is because they knew, they knew what was happening. They knew that this was going to be a global issue. And so they stockpiled items. And now when they're sending us stuff, like sending us PPE, it's like, oh, they're so benevolent. <laughs> they're sending us all this stuff that they bought up from around the world. Um, here it is. I just sent it to you. China stockpiled more than 2 billion surgical masks and essential medical su supplies in a global panic by now impact in a global panic by now impacting the worldwide shortage of protective equipment. The 2 billion masks and 25 million pieces of personal protective equipment PPE were imported from Austra Australia and other overseas countries between January and March. On Thursday, a Chinese government report detailing its foreign trade for the first two months of the year was uncovered, Daily Mail Australia reported. When the Wuhan-originated virus was at its peak, the Chinese government went on a global campaign to recruit Chinese-owned companies in foreign countries and raid stocks of the items. Of course. While Australia, yeah. <laughs> While Australia's first COVID-19-infected person arrived on a plane from China on January 19th, they're talking about in Australia, the virus had only just begun to spread globally when the big buy-up began. China saw a, quote, rapid growth in imports of commodities and key consumer goods, end quote, comprising 2.46 billion medical supply items. These included masks, gloves, hand sanitizer, hazmat suits, ventilators, and other materials. The National Customs in China inspected the billions of items between January 24th and February 29th, according to the report. So between January 24th, now to go back to that timeline, that's a day after, January 23rd is when they restricted travel in their own country between cities. Um, they've already got items arriving the day, the next day that they've already stocked, been buying and stockpiling. Yep. We didn't restrict travel from China until five days later. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to point something out here. And, and this... I feel like this should be obvious, but the Chinese Communist Party, and you could put, you could replace the word Chinese with any nation's label there, right? Any, any Communist Party. In fact, most governments generally, but especially Communist Party governments. They are not, uh, their goal is not even the protection of the Chinese people. They're not, that's not their primary goal either. They're not about China. They are about themselves. They are about protecting their power, which largely means protecting their re, their um, uh, the reputation. They are. This is why authoritarian regimes are so maniacally obsessed with controlling the press, including China. Um, I mean, we've mentioned before they they have been taking down articles. I mean, I think I mentioned this um, 
if you're on WeChat and you're Chinese uh, and you've been trying to follow this coronavirus thing, you kind of are aware, like articles will go around and you're aware that you have got, you got like 45 minutes to read it before the communists take it down and ban the person who like put the article up. Like that's how news spreads. Um, as I mentioned, they're they're censoring any any researcher who wants to look into the origins of this. Like they, you know, we already talked about the doctors they've censored. They they are like any communist party. Their number one priority is their own power and reputation. Um, that's what they care about. And so, um, you know, th this is not about this is not the the Chinese people trying to screw over the rest of the world. This is about the Chinese Communist Party trying to maintain its power position. They are terrified that, I would imagine, they are terrified that their own people turn on them. I mean, there's, what, 1.4 billion Chinese? It doesn't, how, it doesn't matter how strong your Communist Party is in China. If you lose the trust of those people enough, you've lost. They will, I mean, if you can get that population to revolt, you're screwed. And the Chinese government is extremely fragile. They're very fragile. And this whole pandemic has not helped their reputation with most Chinese. And so they are, they are paranoid, paranoid that this kind of information will get out. Um, that is where they're coming from, just to be clear about what their motives are. Um, Tamara in chat says that's why 21 million phone numbers were deactivated in China. Uh, I don't know if you guys have followed that, but there were some conspiracy theories um, that I saw a few weeks ago about how the numbers of dead in China were probably much higher than we knew because there were all these phone millions of phone numbers that went deactivated. I think what's much more likely than that that be those being that being indicative of people who died, I think, is what Tamara's saying is that the phones they just turned off people's phones. Possibly. It's it's hard to tell. I mean, um, because China's economy has suffered quite a lot, there was incentives for people that there had been incentives for people to have multiple phones because you get weird minutes and that kind of stuff. Like they had different kind of cell phone plans and stuff there. And mm. people had returned home for the Chinese New Year. And then normally like they would go back and need their other phone, but maybe they didn't have a job and couldn't afford it and like canceled it because a lot of people are out of work. I mean, factories are closing. China's economy did not suffer. I mean, lots of factories are going bankrupt and closing in China. So it's hard to say what that's from. Uh, I, 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 did, I did watch one of the early videos from this guy who was like, this proves that 18 million people have died in China and they're just covering it up. I, I don't believe that. Um, However, it wouldn't be the first time that 18 million people in a communist country have died and they've covered up. So, you know, but I, I doubt that's what it is. I think it's probably just this other stuff. It might be that they're shutting off phones. It might be that people are um, just can't afford their plans anymore. But one thing they are doing for sure is actively censoring. So if shutting off phones is a way to actively censor, then they would certainly do it. That's for sure. So, Hey, Carter, can you pull up the this tweet I sent you? That says you cannot the make this up. Cheryl Atkinson tweet. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, I just hold on. I gotta. I don't want it to be. It's on signal, so I don't want the background to be other private messages. So I gotta. Okay. I gotta move it and save it okay. somewhere else. Hold on for a second. Okay. So while you pull it up, I'll give the background. This. So there is a documentary about the origins of the the Wuhan virus. I haven't seen this documentary yet, so I can't tell you my opinions on it. Um, it's it was put out by Epoch Times and here, here um, you go. By the way, Carrie, this is the thing you're talking about. 
there you go. So if you try to post that documentary on Facebook now, you get one of fa Facebook overlords will, will now tell you what you should and shouldn't trust, right? Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but Facebook will give you a little message saying something to the effect of this is this isn't something you should trust, right? And then they'll have a little they have a little thing about who they have to fact check it. Um, this is a tweet by Cheryl Atkinson that says, "You cannot make this up." The fact checker in quotes, fact checker that Facebook is using to censor a documentary discussing the possibility that coronavirus came from Wuhan lab is scientists who worked at Wuhan lab <laughs> with Chinese <laughs> communists. Honestly, folks. And if you click on this woman's bio, the one that Facebook is, uh, is using to supposedly tell you that you shouldn't watch this documentary about how it originated in the Wuhan land. She worked, she worked at uh, Danielle Anderson, assistant professor at Duke NUS Medical School. Um, she says, to provide context for my opinion, I will discuss that I'm a scientist trained to work in high containment and have collaborative projects with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. <laughs> I have worked in, I have worked in this exact laboratory at various times for the past two years. I can personally attest to the strict control and containment measures implemented while working there. The staff at this Wuhan lab are incredibly competent, hardworking, and are excellent scientists with superb track records. Oh, there you go. There you go. News. News. <laughs> I mean, just keep in mind, everyone, that um, all of these platforms, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all of the corporate press, all of the corporate press, which, as as uh, Michael Mellis has wanted to say, is corporate press is the enemy of the people. All the corporate press, Facebook, Twitter, all these platforms, they have been banning and suppressing anything that goes against the narrative that... Uh, it has nothing to do with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Everything the World Health Organization says is exactly correct, and and there is, can be no counter narrative. And stop questioning. That is their like they've gone beyond fact checking to um, narrative enforcement. That's what they are. They're not fact checking. They're narrative enforcement. You ask a question about something that that maybe uh, questions some kind of narrative, or that that question like uh, threatens the mainstream narrative or threatens the World Health Organization narrative, bam, you're, you're thrown in fact-check prison. It is, it is uh, unconscionable. It, it's These people, Facebook is, is literally destroying the country, and so is Twitter. They are, they're killing people with this because if all you do is listen to the mainstream narrative, you're, getting, you're not getting the whole information. You're not getting all the information. You're getting the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda pushed out cnn is like literally just and even the associated press they just take chinese communist propaganda rewrite it and publish it as if it's a story it yeah. is it's beyond science fiction level craziness so i want to show one more thing because laura says please discuss this new facebook censoring um, I sent you some screenshots from last night. Could you move those into a new folder so you can show them? One is an article uh, from NBC, and the headline is, Facebook will steer users who interact with coronavirus misinformation to who? <laughs> oh, my God. Facebook's now going to say, hey, I don't think you meant to watch that documentary or that live stream or that 
personality on YouTube. I think you wanted to watch what who has to say. <laughs> um, it says, uh, subheadline, this move is just the most recent step in an aggressive and coordinated response by Facebook and other tech companies to promote facts and guidance from reputable sources. <laughs> I mean, and this is, by the way, this is why Trump defunding the World Health Organization in the middle of a pandemic makes sense. The WHO uh, has been a mouthpiece for the Chinese Communist Party. And, you know, it's already, we've talked about in the past how ridiculous it is that some of these regimes with no human rights are on the Human Rights Council and the UN. I mean, these, these globalists have zero respect for you at all. And they invite people to the table and give them power who are literally just lying to you and violating your rights and just they don't they don't care. The human rights, the UN Humans Right Human Rights Commission is a travesty. It's a joke. It's the opposite of Human Rights Commission. And the WHO taking information from the Chinese Communist Party about a virus that they're afraid to admit originated in their country and throwing it around as fact and telling people to not wear masks. I don't know how you can have any respect for the entire organization after that. But here we are in propaganda world where Facebook's going to make sure that you get all your information from the Ministry of Truth over here at WHO. Uh, here's yeah, the other now, stuff you sent me. Um, okay, now look at this. This is um, a, a friend of a friend sent me this. <clears throat> or a friend sent me, a, anyway. That's why the things are in French. <laughs> um <laughs> The person, the friend of theirs who posted this, I think it's in another screenshot, but she was like, you know, good. She shared this article from from NBC saying that that Facebook is now going to essentially censor things and tell us what we should believe. And these are our reputable sources, one of them being who she was like, great. And then look at all the comments. People are excited. Isn't this startling? People are like, yay, this is, can you read some of those? I can't this is one of the most solid points of action I've seen since this chaos started. Please, farmers, tell us where to sleep in our barn. Absolutely so tired of seeing the conspiracy theories. It's not a fucking conspiracy theory to point out that there are two virology institutes in the fucking city of origin with a person who's gone missing, bat coronavirus specialists. I mean, you got to be crazy. And, it, and it's run by a Chinese Communist Party who's actively suppressing information. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's just a theory. Uh, good. Yes. Here, what are some of the other ones? Clapping. Good. It's about time. Yes. Uh, this is, I mean, th this is just, these <laughs> cheap, I, you know what? The, you know, the evil part, I, I understand this is bad. This is a dark part of me and I'm not proud of it, but I'm, you know, Jordan Peterson says, says we need to admit it. Okay, go ahead. Before you say this dark part, I will say to humanize this person a little bit. I don't know this person, but she's a sweet person, good intent. And that makes me the most angry is that you 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 get people who are not they're not deep thinkers. They don't look into things. They're not trying to investigate. And it's like you've called them before. They're good as long as they're getting their bread from the farmer and their circuses, their entertainment, they're happy. They're useful idiots. And they're yeah. just, and and so they're like, they're basically. This is a headline that's saying we're going to censor what information you get to get, and we're going to tell you what what's reputable and what not, what's not, and who you know what you, what's good for you. We're going to decide. And all and she and all these people are like, yay! I know. 
What's the dark part you were going to say about people like I mean, no, the dark part I was going to say was, and and I get, this is dark, like, because it's also self-condemnation, right? It's not good for me to, to feel this and think this, but uh, the dark part is this, we get what we fucking deserve as a nation. We are a nation of fucking idiots. And if we're going to just burn and cr crash and burn on this, like, part of me is just like, we deserve it. We are idiots. We deserve this. Now, I don't actually believe that. And that's, you know, I'm just like, I'm admitting there's that part of me that's just like, you know what? We just deserve for this. We deserve this. The truth is, though, a lot of us don't deserve it. And not all of us are like this. And there's a lot of uh, thinkers. There's a lot of freedom lovers. There's a lot of people who care about individual rights and care about the truth. And they don't deserve this. And we don't get to get thrown into that Um you know, pool of people, but that's where the dark part of me goes sometimes. Um, I would like to point out Lydia is making some good good comments here in chat. Or not Lydia, Lydus SC. Um, Lydus SC says, uh, although the WHO has been lying about masks, the Chinese didn't say not to wear masks. That's a good point. The Chinese did not say to not wear masks, probably because they sell them. Uh, but um, it, that that came straight from the WHO. I don't think the WHO is literally controlled by China. I just think China has undue influence and they are given a seat at the table in which they shouldn't even be allowed to be at the table. They shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be invited to Thanksgiving and yet they're sitting at the table cutting the turkey, right? That's the problem. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, Lydus also, someone else asks about how much infiltration into Silicon Valley there's been um, from China and Lydus says Silicon Valley doesn't need infiltration. Um, Lattice is making some good points today. Yeah, uh, Silicon Valley does have, there's a lot of money from China, but I mean, there's also a lot of money from the Middle East. There's a lot of money from basically uh, any wealthy sector of the world uh, invests money in Silicon Valley. Uh, I don't think that this is, I mean, I'm tangential, but like, I'm tangential to the Chinese community in Silicon Valley, uh, but I've been in the tech community in Silicon Valley for for decades. Um, there's not like marching orders from the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, it's not necessary. It's it's there's marching orders from the Church of Woke, uh, and often those overlap with what the Communist Party wants. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good Chinese people who. Uh, escaped and want to get their assets out of China and get the hell out of there because they hate it. There's a lot of distrust of uh, Xi and what he's done to China in the last 10 years. So um, I don't think that Silicon Valley's censorship or reaction to this can be attributed to money from the Chinese Communist Party or anything like that. I think it's just they're part of the woke. The woke has a narrative, and um, that narrative is is largely controlled by globalist thought. Um, in addition to social justice ideology, and so and the globalists, the glo globalists do have moral equivalency between cultures. The you know they sit down with China and Saudi Arabia and say, "What do you guys think about human rights? Let's have a conversation." Like, hmm? that's not something that a, someone who actually cares about human rights would do. So. That's all. That's my answer to that. <sighs> oh, Tiger. All right, Tiger. All right. Calm down.
Uh, thank you, by the way. Earlier, we got we got really going, and we didn't we weren't looking at the chats. But thank you for the super chat, Tina. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm I missed, gonna get tiger. I it. Right thank you. Yeah, thank you, Tina. I missed it. Um, yeah, Twee Girl says uh, <laughs> I'm one of the in case of emergency break glass people, and ironically, the first to be disappeared by communist governments. Yeah, right. I mean, that's why I can't live. I mean, I couldn't live there for any great period of time. I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, these people are going to be trying to, I didn't mention that they disappear people, but they, they do do that, that we know that as well. Um, you know, it's, you know, what's interesting is we seem to be, um, so for a while, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, communist China, communist China is bad. And then, um, the, the communist party of China figured out how to run a tax farm more efficiently, right? And they they opened up some areas a little bit, but still had the authoritarian, you know, the thumb of authoritarianism on everything. And you started to see progress, and you started to see um, uh, Guangzhou blossom and Shenzhen in particular. And uh, you started to see China become an economic superpower uh, on the world stage as a result of this. And suddenly everyone is like, oh, yeah, that's just, you know, I mean, they, they're, you know, yeah, they're still authoritarian technically, but wow, they're a free place. But you know, they're not. Um, and she has made that very clear. And he is actually creating more problems in China because he can't let go. I mean, he had a choice to make um, when China started to prosper, and that choice was let go and do more, like you know, continue to loosen the grip and let the country move, uh, or Tighten that grip again. Make sure you're not losing control. And he chose the latter. Um, and so a lot of people don't feel good about what's happened in China in the last 10 years. And they shouldn't. So um, Elva Carroll says, communist China turned into a bunch of fascists. Yeah, so technically fascism. I, it's so weird because fascism and communism are actually not that different. Um, but often viewed as like opposing forces. And, and I guess if you got the right left spectrum they are but uh you know both are authoritarian and fascism is just uh ostensible private means of production but controlled by the government but ostensibly owned by the private and communism is just there's not even ostensible private ownership it's literally just government ownership of everything Practically, there's really little difference. I mean, if, the, if you, it doesn't really matter whether China's fascist or communist, they're both authoritarian, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I think they are more fascist by that kind of traditional definition, in that you do have large companies that are ostensibly privately owned, but they're controlled by uh, by the government. And is that communism? No, strictly no. Communism would be uh, there's no uh, nod to private ownership at all. So fascism is more similar to oligarchy than than communism. But it's one of those things yeah. that I don't never care about splitting hairs. It's like there's it's a like guy splitting, pointing yeah. a bazooka at your face. Do I care what color hat he's wearing? Not really. It's it, they're both it's authoritarianism. Right. It's it's totalitarianism. Elva Kara says fascists tell you what to do with your private property. Communists send you off to the gulag and tell somebody else what to do with your private property. <laughs> right, right. But you'd have to, that, that's the thing with fascism, you have to put the word private in quotes because if you can be told to do with your property 
what to do with your property, then it's not your property. It's not it's, your property, right? It's just right. a pretense at property. That's the so only speaking, difference. So speaking of authoritarians, um, the governor of Michigan. I knew you were uh, going to talk about her. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you put her picture up as the... Uh, because as I knew the, you wanted to talk about her, so I'm like, we got to put her up because I know Carrie's I just... Go if you guys haven't seen it, and maybe we can throw this link in the comments as well, um, Michiganders organized a big protest um, two days ago at the Capitol. They called it Operation Gridlock. And I, I'm trying to understand why it's happening in Michigan um, first. And I think the best I can tell, people were asking me, the best I can tell is because she's been the most overreaching of all the governors so far. Um, she can, she continues to extend the lockdown and to also further ban, um, things that people can do so they can no longer, um, travel to their other residents. There are people who were at their cabin and they can't, they're not allowed to go home to their house now. Um, she's banned any type of outdoor act. You can't be on the lake on a private boat with your family. You can't, you know, out in the sunshine, you can't do that. Um, in the stores, she's required the stores to take rope and tape and section off things you can't buy that she has deemed non-essential. So um, you can go to the grocery store, but all the gardening section and all the seeds and everything have tape over. You can't buy them. It's not essential. You can't buy them. Um, but but abortions know. are essential, just to be clear. Abortions are so She said that. Yeah, no, she did. Um, well, I didn't know she said that. Well, yeah, she's Her banned um, elective surgery, but um, she says that the idea that abortions are are not essential for survival is ridiculous. Wow, wow. Well, she's she is a piece of work. I'll say that because after people um, organized the protests, went out, you know, most of them, um, like ninety, I've heard reports that said from people who were there who explained why they were there, who were like, look, I, I agreed with some of this stuff at the beginning, but now we've reached a point where we're losing our businesses. We're not allowed to function. Farmers are losing their businesses. And um, this is authoritarianism and we need to be able to go back to work. And some of, one of the things they were saying is we don't like the this whole thing where she's she's basically talking about what's essential work versus non-essential work. And you got you and I have discussed this before. Um, that's a fallacy. It's a fallacy to say that somebody's job is not essential. It's essential to them to providing food for their family to, you know, to being able to take care of their basic needs. It's essential. And the idea that, um, grocery stores are essential and you can go in there and be crowded with everyone else in your town. We're funneling everyone into these. Wouldn't you think that you wouldn't want to funnel the whole community into like one of five approved stores? where they're likely to be, if they're going to get the virus, it's like, hey, everybody go to one of these five. Everything else is shut down. But you can go here. That's essential. But you can't go to uh, a garden center and get seeds to plant food for your family. Or you can't do, you know, this one's not essential, but this one is. It's it's ludicrous. It's insane. And it's, it's not, um, it's completely subjective, you know, what they've allowed to stay open. Like here in Texas, liquor stores are still open. Well, that's not really not essential. And I understand your argumentation for the people who wanted to argue about, well, I think that one's essential because people, um, you don't want to have people in the emergency room because they have DTs if they try to go cold turkey off of alcohol or whatever. I totally understand those arguments. And you're proving my point, which is that there's an argument for everything. It's subjective. 
And so people are tired in Michigan of being told that they that they have that they have to sacrifice their businesses. They have to sacrifice the ability to to take care of their family and to pay their rent and to pay their mortgage. They have to sacrifice their homes to this. Um, and they most of them, the reports I've heard from people who were there, they stayed in their cars. They formed a gridlock around the Capitol to make their voice heard to let the Michigan governor know that she's gone too far and that, that the people don't support this. And what did she do afterwards? Did she listen to that and say, let me think about it? Or did she come back to them in any um, spirit of compromise or or representing their wants and needs? Because that's what she was elected to do. No, she actually doubled down. I thought this was so evil. She actually said as a response of their protest, well, they put people at risk and I may have to extend the stay at home order even further now, like, wow, how spiteful is that, right? How resentful yeah. is that? That, to me, that is a cold, dark heart. You know what I like about her is that she is, um, she's a more distilled version of what it means to be a politician. Like, she wears her, she wears her little Napoleon uh, on her sleeve, right? She can see exactly how, what she thinks about people. Um, and most politicians are pretty good at faking that they care about people, but she just doesn't fake it, which is nice. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, little Ragamuffin knows the knows the secret question to ask about adjectives. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use her as an example for just a second. She says, "Essential for whom?" Every time you hear an adjective like "this is good," "this is essential," "this is bad." This is risky. This is blah, blah, blah. Those, all those adjectives, um, they need to apply to someone or something. And the only valid, really philosophically valid thing they could apply to uh, in, in the case of human-related adjectives is, is humans, is an individual, not a group. There's no such thing as something that's essential for the group. Um, because essential is something that only individuals have the right to decide for themselves. You decide what's essential for you and what's not. And, uh, and because we all, have, we all have also different needs. Some people, um, you know, really need their coffee in the morning. Some people don't. Uh, some people have plenty of eggs but not enough milk. to go, And they need to go to the store to buy milk. Some people have plenty of eggs and milk and food but... Uh, they're completely out of batteries or they really need to fix the roof that's about to cave in or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, essential, like all adjectives, like all similar adjectives, uh, apply to a person. And the way to, the way to break through a lot of this doublespeak is you'll hear politicians and collectivists generally say, this is good for us, essential for us or for the people, or for the state, or whatever. Those adjectives aren't rightly applied to groups. Groups don't have singular needs, wants, desires, requirements for life. That's not true. The economy is in, you know, and our society is individuals interacting voluntarily with one another, each deciding what's essential for his or her own survival, and wants and desires. And the only proper way to use the word essential is to ask, what's essential for that person? What does that person consider essential? The idea that that the elites or our leaders should ever be in a role where they're deciding what's essential and what's not 
is abhorrent to the very foundation of America. Uh, and so I just want to point that out. Thank you, Little Ragamuffin, for bringing that up. Jen Carey, Jen asks, uh, thank you for the super chat, Jen. Jen asks, are y'all going to think, are, are y'all going to join ThinkSpot as a possible alternative platform to fascist book? I don't, I don't actually love ThinkSpot because it's a little bit elitist and like you can't just post stuff. Last I checked, maybe it's changed, but last I checked, it's, um, it's, it's it's not like people aren't going to join and just have conversations. You've got to like be a validated person that's allowed to post something, and you got to be part of the cabal to do that. And like I, that last I checked, it, it was way too um, it was way too something that an academic would develop so that he could have conversations with fellow ivory tower academics. Not something that would allow just any old Joe to throw out their opinion and have a real conversation. So. Um, I'm not actually a big fan of it, uh, unless it's changed and you guys can tell me if it's changed in chat. I don't know. I don't know. I've been meaning to check it out. I haven't actually spent time on it myself yet, but because I am hopeful that they'll, will, that someone will be able to create, we know how hard this is to create alternatives now, because once they have a monopoly, the whole audience is there. Plus a lot of these big tech companies, they buy up competitors. So it's hard for any competitor to emerge or they tar them like they did in the case of Gab. Gab, which offers itself up as an alternative to Twitter, um, they they did the the same treatment to Gab that they do to any um, influential or um, wrong thinker, like they've done to Cernovich or whoever. They they've tarred them. So if you Google Gab, they've scared people from going there because all the people on the left now are like, oh, Gab, isn't that the right wings? Isn't that the alt right? Isn't that the na na na? You know. In the yeah. media, they they make it really hard, and and they've also banned Gab from they working they work in coordination. They won't allow them to have their app in the Apple Store. They won't allow them to have their app in the Google Play Store. They they try and make it really hard for them to reach people. So I, mean, I yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just I'm just hoping that one will be able to, you know, to still rise despite all of these extra hoops they have to jump through, and despite all of the. Um, um, powerful tech companies trying to subvert them. Yeah, I, I, um, I think the two most dangerous tech companies um, are not Facebook and Twitter. I think that's Google and Apple. And Google reason, and Apple, yeah. Yeah, the, and the reason for that is um, if you're a, I, I mean, I was in the tech startup world for a long time. If, if you're a startup um, and you're trying to build an app or any kind of competitor to any one of these, um, nowadays, <clears throat> makes me sound old, but nowadays, uh, mobile is your primary target. Like mobile is where you have to be. You have to win mobile. You, you can't just have a web app that people like. Uh, and I know older people like me, like I don't like, I don't even have Facebook on my phone. That's how curmudgeon and old I am. Right. But like, I don't, I only use it on, on the web and I don't use it very much. Um, but most people use all these apps uh, on their phone and Google and Apple control through Android and iOS control uh, the app stores and, or, you know, control where, yeah, what apps you can put on, um, Google, uh, Google less than Apple. Cause you can jailbreak, like you don't have to actually, um, you don't have to like do a, a massive jailbreaking thing to bypass Google. Uh, but so it's easier to bypass, but, but Apple is extremely difficult, uh, to bypass. And so, um, they're the companies that are actually the, the two biggest gatekeepers. Cause they're the ones that prevent, 
competition from coming up. So let's say Gab was the best things. I don't. I mean, I don't think it is, but let's. It's it's fine though. It's good. It's just as good as Twitter, um, from like a technical perspective. Let's say Gab was the best thing ever. Uh, well, if Apple doesn't want Gab, Gab will never beat Twitter ever. Um, ever because they don't get on the platform. Um, and so you can't get their app. Yeah, and there's no way that Gab can make up for that. Gab can't work around. There's no workaround. I mean, yeah, you can say, well, our our mobile web, you know, our page is pretty good, and then people have to, like, go and install the, you know, they got to bookmark it and go to, like, people aren't going to do that. Um, People just want an app. And uh, so I think that's one of the, the other, the other thing is, um, and this plays right into one of the weaknesses of conservatives conservatives go around saying, well, these things need to be um, regulated better. Uh, Well, regulations kill startups, not Facebook. They don't kill entrenched players, they kill startups. So if you never want there to be a competitor to Facebook, go ahead and argue for regulation, because that's what you'll get. Uh, You know, regulation is extremely expensive, startups can't afford it, uh, and large companies can, right? If you've got you know, if you've got a $20 million a year legal bill, your startup is never going to get off the ground. If you're Facebook and we add $20 million a year to legal compliance for you, you might not notice. It's it's like petty cash. So Facebook can comply with all this crap very easily. Um, any competitor? No way. So the idea that regulations are a good idea is, uh, or, or that will solve this problem is short-sighted. It's a short-sighted way of looking at it and saying like, well, only if the world only exists as if Facebook and Twitter, and therefore they should be regulated. We don't want that to be the world. Facebook and Twitter should not be the only world of social media. There should be competitors. The question you should be asking is, why are they winning? And how can we correct their win? Not how do we you know, enshrine them forever into the place of a monopoly? Uh, That's the wrong question. Uh, So someone just asked if I think Apple's worse than Google. I don't know if I would think Apple's, philosophically, probably not, no. But I think um, the iOS, Apple's iOS is locked down a lot more tightly than Android. So um, in terms of like getting an app onto an Android phone that Google doesn't like, it's easier than getting an app onto an Apple phone that Apple doesn't like. Uh, so that's all I meant by that. That's more of a, a technical thing. I think from a philosophic perspective, I don't I really, think I probably Google's worse, but I don't know. I think Google has um, more of a monopoly on, this is just my gut right now on what people think because of the, the vast implications of their ability to manipulate search results. Yeah, that's, that's, kind of my feeling on that right now um and because they own youtube and because youtube has youtube has made it impossible to find stuff you're looking for now um if it's not they this is a few months ago we talked about this when they did it their most recent algorithm tweaks a few months ago have if you look for anything like you know i went down a pizzagate rabbit hole we talked about this in a previous episode um at the end of 2018 and it, it was still right there at my fingertips. I could put in Pizzagate and emails and all this, and I could find everything I was looking for, and I could separate fact from fiction and figure out what I thought about things, and, and all the nut job stuff was there, and the non-nut job stuff was there. Now, if you look for something like Pizzagate, it's, it, all it gives you is mainstream legacy media, just like the Facebook telling, directing you to who. If you do a Pizzagate, it's like, oh, 
here's a bunch of mainstream media links and a bunch of mainstream media videos telling you that Pizzagate is all bunk and there's nothing there for you to look into. And they do that with everything now. Um, it was even hard for me to find. I mean, we've, we've seen it's hard to find some of our videos sometimes, but it's hard to find. Even if you know the name of a video, there was a Paul Joseph Watson video I was looking for. You used to be able to type it in, the name of the video, and it would come right up. It was buried on like page six of the search results, even knowing the title. And he's a YouTube user with millions of subscribers, and it was buried because yeah. they don't want you to read that. They want you to read Here's something from CNN. Here's something from MSNBC. Here's something from the uh, what are they? What are they, what it was the word they used about uh, a ver uh, ver um, verified sources or whatever. Here's something from a late night show that we think is a verified. So we're going to show you. We're going to show you the Daily Show, and we're going to show you Colbert, and we're going to show you CNN and MSNBC clips, and that's what you're going to get when you're looking for something else. Yep. Yeah, I. I I agree. So people are talking about um, alternatives to Google, by the way. Um, J.M. Galloway says they like Bing. Bing's owned by Microsoft, though, so I feel like the only reason Microsoft isn't worse is because they don't have as much power, <laughs> um, but they certainly would be. Um, Nicole says, I find DuckDuckGo to be about as hard as Google to find stuff, but I still use it. So I'm in the same camp. I use it. Um, it is about, it's almost as hard to find stuff. Uh, and I, I just want to point this out. I've said it before. There's a nuance here, and I, I think it's important uh, to point out because I, I, th I want people to be to understand the nuance because a lot of things are nuanced. They're not as straightforward as you think. Google, so first of all, I totally believe Google absolutely screws with search results. So I'm going to put that on the table. So I'm not saying that they don't. They do. Um, uh, I think we've got evidence of it. Uh, I think everyone kind of knows it. They absolutely screw with search results. So that said, um, the search results in any search engine, even a completely honest one, let's assume that DuckDuckGo is completely honest, which I don't have any reason to believe they're not, um, they will be reflective of the culture at large, So, or at least the, the web culture. So if most of the web culture is left-leaning or Marxist, uh, and you search for capitalism, you're going to find a bunch of anti-capitalism argument. I'm just you know, a stupid, you know, a stupid example, right? You're going to find that that doesn't mean that the search engine is anti-capitalist. It means that the search engine is accurately presenting you a landscape of what's on the web. And it turns out that the web is pretty skewed. Um, and we, you know, you got to remember, even in America, the pro-capitalist, small government freedom people are a minority. And America is a minority in the world. Most people are authoritarian bootlickers, like and socialists and Marxists. Like most people, uh, most people want to be farm animals. So you're gonna have most articles in the world and most websites. They're gonna, they're it's gonna be Karens and and little bootlickers. Like that's what most of the world's gonna be like. And the fact that it's hard to find more objective non-bootlicking <laughs> content is well. That's part of the world we live in, which is why changing the culture is important. Um, I just want to make that point. So um, if you guys are watching and you like the video, even though we just talked about how they tweak algorithms and they try to bury channels like ours, hit the thumbs up button if you like this video, because supposedly it helps us. Um, and uh, Carter, I don't know if you noticed, but I take this as a good sign that we're, we're starting to grow our audience is we've had a tr we've had a couple of trolls in this video and the last video. My friend Laura pointed one of them out last time. Oh, cool! And uh, I missed it. Welcome, yeah, trolls. 
Yeah, welcome, Troll. I saw you. Don't think I didn't see you. I know you're here for your attention. So everybody just take a moment of silent adoration and attention. And, and you know, we are thinking of you. We see you. You are a human being. Here's the attention you wanted. <laughs> no, I don't like feeding them. I, I do like ignoring them for the most part. But uh, they are funny. And... Um, and sometimes they're really not not the one today, but the one last time was really funny because they'll post things. They they reveal a lot about their ignorance of the people they're trying to mock because they'll post things as if at first sometimes as if they're like part of they agree with people in the ch comments or something. And I don't know if you saw this last time, Carter, but they were like, oh, it was during the sort of interview. One of them was saying stuff like, uh, yeah, Jeff Bezos is on my people to kill list. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> Nobody here has a people to kill yeah. list. That's an interesting what's, list you have. Uh, what's wrong with you, right? And they're and then they were like, "Yeah, virus schmirus." Am I right? And we're like, "No." <laughs> I don't know anyone who would say virus schmirus. <laughs> You're not blending in well. <laughs> they're so dumb. <laughs> it is kind of funny. They are dumb. Um, couple people in chat are talking about ham radio uh ham radio is one of those things that i uh i don't think it's a replacement for google <laughs> i love both of you people talking about ham radio i don't think it really counts as a uh, uh a google replacement um but it's one of those things that was on my list to do and it was one of my fails for this um this pandemic right i've got a list of like things i did right things i did wrong um Food, pretty good on food, uh, pretty good on a bunch of other stuff. Uh, a few ammo mistakes I wouldn't do again, but generally pretty good. But one of the mistakes I made was I didn't bother to get my ham license first. I don't have my ham radio stuff set up. It's just one of those to-do list things that I never did. And so um, by the next time when there's a authoritarian lockdown order, I will be communicating with the people in chat via ham radio. So don't worry. Um, oh, Alva Kara says you can send email in the hf bands i didn't realize that i know you could do data i didn't realize you could do uh email that's cool well maybe we will do we'll share some information but there we go ah oh, carrie anything else or should we wrap it up uh, let's wrap it up look so guys we decided earlier for the first time in a live chat we decided we're uh, on the book club date it's going to be sunday may 3rd i forgot the right? date already Okay. okay, whatever and Carrie says. We don't know the time yet. We may, again, do a time that um, allows for UK people to join us. That might be cool. Yeah. But um, you've, got a, you've got two weeks. It's a very short book, Animal Farm. Get on it. It's super easy. It's super short. It's super easy. Um, so, yeah, get on it. Uh, I see that uh, people are now sharing their more of their ham. <laughs> I So... I'm not worried. So Elva Carroll says, here's a YouTube channel for passing your amateur. I've actually read uh, the books, so I just can't leave the house to go to take a test. So, uh, and I'm not worried about, I have an electrical engineering degree. I'm not worried about passing the, I mean, there's, I know there's stuff beyond physics that you have to know, but uh, I'm not really worried about the, uh, the test. I'm just, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for broadcasting unlicensed. So anyway, Thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, as a reminder, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can support us on Subscribestar. Please don't forget to go to Subscribestar and do that if you can. Uh, it does cost money to buy ham radios um, uh, or, or even just to eat and continue the show. So if you like the content, please do that. Um, and uh, I don't know, Carrie, 
we should tell them to buy merch. Um, oh, go, we go have to, merch. merch. We, we should make more. I, it's on my. It's another on my to do list thing. I've been busy, but more merch will be coming. But we got some. There's some I owe you people that I promised I will do. And and the mugs, as I mentioned, are coming out. For those who haven't seen the mugs. Oh yeah, show us the mugs. I don't even have one of the mugs yet, guys. I just <gasps> broke this mug. <laughs> No, it's not broken. It's not broken. <laughs> but it, so it's so it's tough. It's not no. So um, <laughs> these are coming. These are these are unsafe space grenade mugs. Uh, you get an unsafe space grenade mug only through going to uh, subscribe star. And I do you remember what tier it is? I can look really quickly, but um, I think it's the twenty dollar tier. It's the it's the twenty five. It's apostate or above. You get a mug. So. Um, if you are an apostate and above already, I will be reaching out to you, asking you for an address where we can send you a mug. Um, so there you go. Little ragamuffin uh, says she doesn't want that one. <laughs> she, she doesn't want this one. Yeah, this is mine. Don't worry. I've already uh, I've already used it, and uh, but it, I'm surprised it survived the fall, honestly. So there you go. All right, ha have Guys, a good one, everyone. Sorry, thanks go for ahead, tuning Karen. in, and we'll see you later. <laughs>